Well, good evening, everyone. We're glad you're here tonight, and we're going to continue on. We'll pick it up on page 10 tonight in our notes as we move forward in this study of the doctrine of hell. Before we begin, let's pray. Our Father, this is the most solemn of studies, I think, that we could ever undertake when we consider the fact that there is a real place that is an eternal place of condemnation and destruction and doom. It makes us thankful, Lord, that through the Lord Jesus Christ, we never have to worry about being in this place, but it makes us burden for the millions and millions of people, Lord, who are on their way there and many who are already there. I pray that this study will stabilize us in doctrine, but I also pray it would give us a burden to take advantage of opportunities that you would give us to do what we can to witness to people. We realize, Lord, that we can share the truth, but your spirit has to use the truth. But I pray that as we see more and more of what this doctrine actually is, what this place is like, that we would do what we can to communicate to people truth so they don't go here. We pray you bless our study time tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. We are looking now at the different words that are used in the Bible that refer to hell, and we began last week by talking about the word sheol. And sheol is basically a place where the dead went in the Old Testament economy. It was a place that had two chambers. There was an upper chamber that is referred to in the New Testament as being Abraham's bosom, which was a place of comfort. There was a lower chamber, which was the hellish side chamber, in which it was a place of destruction. It's where wicked people went, and frankly, where they were burning in a fire. We went through five observations that we made about the word shield. We come to the sixth observation tonight. It's a place that has depth levels, depth levels. As we've already mentioned, there are two chambers in it. But I would like you to go to Proverbs chapter 9, if you would, please. Proverbs chapter 9 and verse 18, we read, But he does not know that the dead are there, that her guests are in the depths of Sheol. So we learn from that little statement there, there is a depth level to Sheol, which contains those that are not in a right relationship with God. Now, I'd like you to go over to the book of Ezekiel for the next two points, actually. The book of Ezekiel, chapter 26, in Ezekiel chapter 26. And I want to draw your attention to verses 20 and 21. Ezekiel 26, 20 to 21. Then I will bring you down with those who go down to the pit, to the people of old, I will make you dwell in the lower parts of the earth like the ancient waste places with those who go down to the pit so that you will not be inhabited, but I will set glory in the land of the living. I will bring terrors on you and you will be no more. Though you will be sought, you will never be found again, declares the Lord God. Now, obviously, in a reference to this place that is a pit, there are the two chambers. There's the upper and lower chamber. The reference here is to the lowest chamber where God would take the unbeliever. It's a terrifying place, never to be heard from again. Now, some of the Sheol passages are very informative, informing our doctrine of hell. And hell, as you remember, is an English word. It covers all of the concepts 
that we find in the scriptures, and we're looking at the exact words that are used in the scriptures, but hell is the overriding English word that covers all of it. In Deuteronomy 32:22, God says, For a fire is kindled in my anger and burns to the lowest part of Sheol. The word Sheol is an Old Testament used to describe a place where the dead go or dwell, and it's clear that the lowest part of Sheol, in Deuteronomy 32.22, the lowest part of Sheol is a place of burning fire, for a fire is kindled in my anger. So the lowest part of Sheol is a place where people go who are not in a right relationship with God. In fact, they've angered God, and they are burning in this place. In Psalm 9.17, David writes, The wicked will return to Sheol, even all the nations who forget God. And this is more than just a promise that the wicked will die and go to the grave. This is a promise that they're going to enter a place where the wicked people go in Sheol. And we learn from New Testament information and from the Lord Jesus Christ himself that this place is a place of fire and torment. And we'll certainly see that as we go on in some other concepts. We've already looked at Psalm 16, 10 to 11. David writes, For you will not abandon my soul to Sheol, nor will you allow your Holy One to undergo decay. Now, the fact that he says, You will not abandon my soul in Sheol, would indicate that there could be a case where someone would be abandoned by God in Sheol. And that would be a reference to those that are in the lower level of Sheol. They are abandoned by God. But the ones that are in the upper chamber of Sheol are not abandoned by the Lord. They still are looking forward to a resurrection in which they will actually, in Abraham's bosom, be raised up to inherit a glorious kingdom in which Jesus Christ will reign over them. So you have in that statement the implication that there are those whose souls are in Sheol, but they are not abandoned by God there. The implication is there are souls in Sheol who are abandoned by God. But David said, I'm not one of those. And then finally, in Isaiah 66, 24, and I would like you to look at that. That's the last verse in the book of Isaiah. Isaiah 66, 24. And we read, Then they will go forth and look on the corpses of men who have transgressed against me, for their worm will not die, and their fire will not be quenched, and they will be an abhorrence to all mankind. Now, obviously, the statement here, although he doesn't mention Sheol specifically, it's clear that there is a place where transgressors who've not dealt with their sin before the Lord, they've sinned against God, they've not dealt with it right before the Lord, go to a place where the fire is not quenched and the worm does not die. So Sheol is a place where dead people went in the Old Testament economy. There was an upper chamber for the believers called Abraham's bosom. There's a lower chamber that would be this hellish place that contains all of the things that we have seen. Now the second word that is used in reference to hell is the noun Hades. Hades. H-A-D-E-S. Now, Hades is a New Testament Greek word that is used to describe a place of afterlife punishment. And this particular word is often used in the Septuagint to take the place of the noun Sheol. For example, in Isaiah 38.18, we read, For Sheol cannot thank you. That's what the text says. Sheol cannot thank you. And that's how the New American Standard actually reads. But the Septuagint uses the word Hades rather than the Hebrew word Sheol. 
Now, in Acts 2, 27 and 31, Luke quotes Psalm 16, 10, and he replaces the Hebrew shield with the Greek Hades. But Hades reveals a great deal about Sheol that we would not otherwise know. The Greek word Hades is used 10 times in the New Testament. I've listed the 10 places where they're used. I'm going to have you look up about four of them. First of all, I'd have you go to Luke chapter 10. And we read in Luke chapter 10, verse 15, Luke chapter 10, verse 15, And you, Capernaum, will not be exalted to heaven, will you? You will be brought down to Hades. And there's our noun. Hades is used right there. A place of punishment. Someone would be brought down to this place. Now go to Luke 16, 23. Luke 16, 23. And we're going to spend a great deal of time in this very passage, but just for the sake of our discussion right now, in verse 23, we read, In Hades, he lifted up his eyes, being in torment. So what we would learn from that is this Hades is a place a person goes down to, and it is a place of torment. Then if we go over to Revelation 20, Revelation 20, and verse 13, we read, And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and Hades gave up the dead which were in them, and they were judged, every one of them, according to their deeds. So we learn from that that when these unbelievers die now, they go to this Hades place until they're going to be called to face this particular judgment, which will be the final sentencing they'll receive before they are thrown into the eternal lake of fire. If you go to chapter 20 and verse 14, then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. Now this particular word, Hades, in the New Testament gives new significant data to the noun shield of the Old Testament. What we learn is that Hades is a place that is described as being a hellish burning place of horrible fiery torment where an unbeliever goes to exist until he's cast into the everlasting lake of fire. We learn that by using that word Hades. So Hades describes a place of terrible torment where wicked people go once they get into this place, they can't get out of it. The only opportunity they are going to have to get out of it will be at the great white throne judgment when they are called to face the Lord Jesus Christ just before he cast them into the eternal lake of fire. So Hades gives us some real information concerning what happens to the unbeliever who dies who would go to the lower chamber of Sheol. Then the third word is the noun Abaddon, A-B-A-D-D-O-N. Now, Abaddon is used five times in the Old Testament, one time in the New Testament. I want you to make a note here because this is what I think this noun describes. It's a place, it's a place where the dead go that is the bad side of Sheol. Let's just put it that way. It's a place where the dead go that's the bad side of Sheol. This particular word just emphasizes something a little different about Sheol. Now, the references that I'd have you look at would be Job, the book of Job in chapter 26. And verse 6. Naked is Sheol before him, and Abaddon has no covering. Okay, so you have a statement here in Job 26.6 that both are open before God. God has the entrance into both places, Sheol 
and Abaddon has no covering. So I'm going to assume, based on that statement, that Abaddon is a reference to the bad side of Sheol. The particular emphasis of the actual word Abaddon is that this is a place of eternal ruin and destruction. That's the emphasis of it. It's a place of ruin and destruction. So there's nothing positive about the side to this existence that is known as Abaddon. As long as you're open to Job, go to chapter 28 and notice verse 22. Abaddon and death say, with our ears, we've heard a report of it. Abaddon and death. Obviously, it's closely connected to death, and that's how a person would be connected to this place of destruction by death. And then if you go to chapter 31 and verse 12, chapter 31 and verse 12, for it would be fire that consumes to Abaddon and would uproot all my increase. Fire is connected to Abaddon. So what we would conclude is that Abaddon describes this eternal destructive place. By the way, eternal destruction is not the same as eternal annihilation. Eternal destruction means this is a place of destructive judgment that basically is the bad side of Sheol, and then one more I'd have you go to Proverbs 15. Proverbs 15. This is an interesting statement here. In Proverbs 15, in verse 11, again we have two nouns used. It says, Sheol and Abaddon lie open before the Lord, how much more the hearts of men. So you have Sheol and Abaddon kind of used in a synonymous parallelism here. So they refer to a general area. Sheol would be, in my opinion, the Abraham's bosom side. Abaddon refers to the destructive side, that is the fire side. So that's why I say when you use the noun Abaddon, you're referring to the bad place, the bad side of Sheol, which would be the place of destruction for the unbeliever. Now the fourth word that's used is a place called Abraham's bosom. We are not going to spend a lot of time with that. We talked about that when we did our study of the doctrine of heaven. But Abraham's bosom is the place of comfort for Old Testament believers who died. It is apparently the upper chamber in close proximity to Hades. There's a gulf between the chambers, between the upper and lower chamber, and you cannot pass from one to the other. A fifth word that's used in regard to the word hell is the word tartaros, T-A-R-T-A-R-O-S. It's used in 2 Peter 2.4. Now this is an interesting word, Tartaros, T-A-R-T-A-R-O-S. If you go to Second Peter, now this is used only one time. It's used one time by Peter, the Apostle Peter, and in verse 4, we read, for if God did not spare angels when they sinned, but cast them into hell and committed them to pits of darkness reserved for judgment, that word hell is Tartaros, Tartaros. It's translated by the word hell there. It's only used one time here, but in Jewish literature, it describes a place where wicked people are punished. And that's, I think, what Peter meant when he used the word, that they're in this place that is a place of punishment for wicked angels and wicked people. And that's the way he's using the noun. For if God did not spare angels when they sinned, but cast them into hell or Tartarus, and committed them to pits of darkness reserved for judgment. So there's an application here to not only angels, but also humans who are not in a right relationship with God. They are cast into this place. Now, the sixth word is the word Gehenna. Gehenna. 
G-E-H-E-N-N-A, G-E-H-E-N-N-A. I didn't put this in your notes, so I'm just going to give you all of the references in the New Testament where this word is used. So you have room under word six there. You can write these references if you want them all, and here we go. A lot of them come from the book of Matthew. So there's Matthew 5, 22, 29, and 30. Matthew 5, 22, 29, and 30. You have Matthew 10, 28. You have Matthew 18, 9. Matthew 23, 15, and 23, 33. From Mark, you have... Mark chapter 9, verse 43, 45, 47. Mark 9, 43, 45, and 47. From Luke, you have one reference, Luke 12, 5. And from James, you have James 3, 6. Those are the uses of the word Gehenna. Now, Jesus uses this word, and he definitely connects it to fire. So let's go back and look at Matthew chapter 5, if you would. We'll start there in Matthew chapter 5. And in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 22, we read these words. But I say to you, everyone who is angry with his brother shall be guilty before the court. Whoever says to his brother, you good for nothing, shall be guilty before the Supreme Court. Whoever says, you fool, shall be guilty enough and go into the fiery hell. Actually, it reads, go into the Gehenna of fire. That's how it reads. English translators have translated that hell, but it's the word Gehenna that Jesus uses there. If you drop down in the same chapter to verse 29, he says at the last clause, it would be better for this than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. There's the Gehenna again, that the Lord Jesus Christ uses the word Gehenna. It's translated into English by the noun hell. If you go to verse 30, and again, it would be better for you than for your whole body to go into hell. So there is the word Gehenna again. So Jesus uses this word in a context of warning people there is this place where someone goes who is condemned of the Lord. It is a place of fire, a punishment place, and people are cast into this place and they burn in this place. And that is exactly the language that the Lord uses of Gehenna. The seventh word that is used pertaining to hell is the word the lake of fire and brimstone. Now the lake of fire and brimstone is the finale of hell. Right now, as we mentioned last week, when a person dies, they do not go to the lake of fire and brimstone, which is the final phase of hell. They go to a place that we could call Hades or Gehenna or Abaddon or Tartarus, all those words we could use. It is a place that is a hellish place. You're going to get a graphic look at it when Jesus gives us a graphic look in Luke 16, and we're going to tackle that. But the fire and brimstone is the ultimate destiny for those who are unbelievers after they face Jesus Christ at the great white throne judgment. The eighth word that's used in regard to this is the word abyss, A-B-Y-S-S. This particular word describes a bottomless pit that is a place of the dead and demons. And there are those theologians who take the position on this that the abyss is a place that is for demons and for the angels. It's their hell. 
In fact, the abyss would be a place where they are chained when finally they are coming to the ultimate judgment when they are no longer going to have any influence anywhere and they're going to be in this place. And the final word that is used connected to hell is pits of darkness and that is used in Second Peter and also in Job 10, 21 to 22. So those are your nine words that are connected to hell. Now that brings us to the eighth question and that is when does a person go to hell? Well, a person who goes to hell, and we've already established it is a real place by the words that are used, and a person who goes to hell goes there immediately at the moment of death. I want to take you to several passages that would suggest that, but probably the most graphic one is Luke 16, so go to Luke 16, and we're going to come back and begin a journey through Luke 16, perhaps even tonight, but in Luke 16 and verse 22... We read in Luke 16:22, now the poor man died and was carried away by the angels into Abraham's bosom, and the rich man also died and was buried. So what you see from verse 22 is that you die. These guys died. That's the moment that they're going to have entrance into this sphere. And in the case of Lazarus, he's going to be in Abraham's bosom, but in the case of the rich man, in verse 23, in Hades, he lifted up his eyes. So a person goes to hell, to this place, at the exact moment of their death. We know what death is. It's the moment you leave your body. That's how Paul defines death. That's how the scriptures define death. It's the moment that a person departs from their body. You have the immaterial part of you, the material part of you, and death is the moment determined by God where that immaterial part leaves the material part. The body's here, the person's gone. They went somewhere. Well, where did they go? If they're an unbeliever, they went to hell. That's exactly where they went, and they got there the moment they died, the moment of legitimate death. Now, I want to go to some passages of Scripture. Let's go to Psalm chapter 6, Psalm chapter 6, and verse 5, and you'll again see the connection between going to this place of afterlife and death. In Psalm chapter 6, and you'll notice verse 5, for there's no mention of you in death in Sheol who will give you thanks. So obviously... A person gets into this shield place, which, as we've already mentioned, you have two chambers. You have the Abraham's bosom side. You have the hell side. But a person gets in there at the moment of death. When they die, that's when they go there. Then if you go to Job 26 and verses 5 and 6, notice carefully, Job 26, 5 and 6, the departed spirits tremble. Under the waters and their inhabitants, naked is shield before him, and Abaddon has no covering. Notice, who is in these places? Departed spirits. Where did they depart from? Their body. Well, when did they depart from their body? When they died. When a person dies, that spirit and soul leaves that body, and it's going to go to one of two places. It's either going to go to, in this age, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you immediately go to be with the Lord to be absent from the bodies, to be present with the Lord. That's exactly what Paul teaches. And if a person's not a believer, they're instantly in hell at the moment of death. One other text I take you to, it'll be Isaiah 14.9. Isaiah 14.9. And in Isaiah 14.9, we read, Sheol from beneath is excited over you to meet you when you come. It arouses for you the spirits of the dead. All the leaders of the earth, it raises all the kings of the nations from the thrones. 
Who's in Sheol ready to greet people that go to Sheol? The spirits of the dead. So what does that tell us? We learn from studying Psalms, Job, Isaiah, and Luke that a person, when they die, immediately at the moment of death, go to one of two places. They go to a place of Abraham's bosom, which is a place of comfort in the Old Testament economy, heaven in the New Testament economy for a believer, or they go to hell, which is a horrible place. Now, we learn something from Revelation 19.2. I would like you to go there, Revelation 19.2, because I think this is important. In Revelation 19.2, we read, because his judgments are true and righteous. His judgments are true and righteous. So, We need to understand that any person who leaves their body and goes to hell do so because of a righteous, true judgment of God. There are location differences, tremendous differences, between a person who has not believed on the Lord Jesus Christ when he, she dies, versus one who has believed on the Lord Jesus Christ when he, she dies. And the difference is heaven or hell. And this hell is a real place. Now, I don't want to get into our next section because we're going to go through what I think is probably one of the most graphic descriptions that you're ever going to see. We're going to crawl through that, Lord willing, next Wednesday night. What is hell actually like? Let me ask it another way. What is it like right now for someone who's in hell tonight? That's the question we're going to carefully examine, Lord willing, next Wednesday night. Well, our time is basically gone, so do you have any questions or comments? Yes, John? That first text that you did on Sheol in Ezekiel, who would be searching for somebody in hell? Pardon? Who would be searching for somebody in hell? Said that they'd be searching for I don't know. Good question. What about this Isaiah 14? Okay, what's that one say? Well, you just read that about people greeting people down there. Well, it's basically saying that the place of death is a place that welcomes the spirits. In the Sheol side, in the Abraham's bosom side, or the heaven side, there certainly would be a greeting that would take place for the believer. I'm not sure in the hell side there would be this great greeting place where they're being greeting. It's just basically they're open, ready to receive people is the point, as I understand that. The place is open, ready to welcome in people who have not believed in the Lord. It'll be a place that welcomes in all the unbelievers. And my third question is, that Abaddon, you said there was no covering. Is that why they can see in Abraham's bosom? That's what I think we'll conclude next Wednesday night. Yes, I do think that. that that's why they could look up and see that part that was up. Yes. Okay. Yes. Ernie? What was that last reference you gave of Revelation? Revelation 19.2. Yes. Any others? I can't answer any of them, so <laughs> feel free to ask a question I can't answer. I'll be glad to not answer it. Okay, we got a great day planned for you, a tremendous text in Romans and a powerful text in Nahum Sunday night, so we'll look forward to seeing you. Thanks for coming. Good night. Lord bless you.